Alrighty, we are here for another episode of Scouting the Cities. I think this is number 10. We're in double digits. If it's number 9, then this is really awkward. But this week we got School of Rock. It's not Jack Black, surprisingly. It's Adam Moreau, the general manager of School of Rock St. Paul. School of Rock is a school of... No, it's a school that teaches kids about music. Teaches kids how to be musicians. Uh, guitar, keys, drums... You name it. Adam explains it in this episode and how all the classes work and everything. Um, and you know what's interesting is is the School of Rock movie, of course, Jack Black. That, that was one of my one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, it was one of my like minivan movies that we played um, on road trips. Me and and my sisters loved that movie. It's just so much fun, right? Like it's awesome. And uh, the brother in School of Rock, he like has gone on to be like a director. I can't remember his name. He's like a director of like huge movies now. He was in Survivor too. There's like these awesome clips of him just being hilarious on that show. But anyway, besides the point, School of Rock, the movie, the name was based on the original School of Rock, the place that teaches people the the one that has led to Adam Moreau becoming the general manager here in St. Paul and ending up on the Scouting the Cities podcast. So it was this documentary uh, on the school, and, and then once the School of Rock movie turned into a musical opening on Broadway, all of a sudden it became a legal battle, right? Because that's how the world works. When there's money involved, you want some money, right? So it's found out that you know whoever owned... The name School of Rock, I think it was the actual school owned it, and, and so there became this legal battle with Paramount and everyone else, you know, all the big hitters. Or maybe there wasn't a legal battle with Paramount. Paramount, don't get mad at me. I'm just a lowly podcaster. Anyway, so there's this whole deal, and instead of paying out millions, they end up coming to a deal that for the Broadway shows or off-Broadway shows that have this School of Rock name, the first people who could audition for the roles in the show were actual kids who went to the Schools of Rock that were around the cities that these shows were going to be in. So if they're in St. Paul, then School of Rock, St. Paul, they're going to be getting the calls first. And Adam said, you know, we talked about this after because I was too dumb to ask the School of Rock question. Um, but he said after that, like one of the first shows on Broadway was like pretty much all School of Rock kids. And that's awesome, right? These kids get to learn so much about music and, and get these life lessons and just have fun, right? After school, like, you know, just become passionate in something, you know, every, everyone loves that. And, um, growing up, you're always trying to find that your kids are, or your parents are trying to throw you into something to hope that it sticks. And I'm sure for a lot of kids at the School of Rock, that's, that's what's happened, especially with the way Adam talks about it, the the passion he has, the the love for it that you can just tell, and I'm sure these kids are having a blast. Um, there's also a concert he mentioned a little bit in this episode um, on Saturday and Sunday at Kegging Case in St. Paul, Saturday and Sunday going all day. Um, I believe he said 12 to 6. I'm not positive on that, but if you do want to go check out what these students end up doing, you know, they go out and perform, go to Keg and Case on Saturday and Sunday after this podcast is released, um, and check them out. But without further ado, this is Adam Moreau, the general manager of School of Rock St. Paul. Have fun. All right, so Adam Moreau, the general manager of the School of Rock. 
That, when you say it like that, it sounds really official. And <laughs> yeah, stuff. really like, official. Oh, bow down. <laughs> Whoa, the general guy, manager. He's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so, <laughs> how'd you get into that role? Um, I started with the school back in college. I started back in 2011. Just, I I was going to music college, and and it was a, a quick buck. You know, I I was interested in getting into a little bit of teaching, and just stayed like it's it's awesome i was teaching at a bunch of different studios and the uh the school of rock environment was just so different it was so loud and chaotic and ridiculous it was like well this is just better and and so i just stayed and and what 12 years later here we are yeah so where were you in school I was in school at McNally Smith. About half the staff at School of Rock are McNally Smith grads. So where is McNally Smith? It was right smack dab in the middle of downtown. Uh, it folded in 17, I think. Oh, wow. So, it, uh, you know, we pour one out for it here and there, but <laughs> that's that's about it. So did you start at the School of Rock in St. Paul, the one on Cleveland yeah. still? Yeah, so we weren't on Cleveland Avenue originally. That school opened in 2006, and it was downtown. So it, we didn't move it from downtown until, to Cleveland Avenue until mid-2020. Oh, wow. So we were we when everything was shut down during COVID, we didn't have students coming in and out. We were all remote. So instead of we had planned to move and I, I was going to have about four days to pack up the entire school, put it in a truck, unpack it over here and get everything put back together. And instead, COVID happened. We all went remote and I got about four months to pack up and, and move everything. So it was actually a really nice process. Yeah. And then we opened in July of 2020 over here, uh, just in time for our first summer camps That's, in the new space. Well, I mean, it's good that you got that extra time, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I we would have died. I have no idea how yeah. we would have done that in four days. Well, and it's a lot of equipment in there. The The space on Cleveland, I came today, and mm-hmm. that place is so nice. Oh, my. It We really, really like it. We miss our old building. It was very unique. It was super cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the Allen Building downtown, and just a terrific building. Uh, we don't miss being downtown in lower town as much it you know parking is tough thing you know just downtown things and we moved over to cleveland and it's like oh there's parking oh there's foot traffic oh there's and so you know you have all these kids every single day we we would watch for the first six months kids just like hanging out the windows of their car like oogling the school it's like that Yep, that's gonna be cool. Yeah, and and it has the school exploded. Well, I'm sure it has. Like, do do you like? Did it really like go up in membership? Mm-hmm. I guess or we moved over with 85 kids, and last I checked, we had 420. Oh wow! Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, no, it it went up a lot. So then what has that transitional period been like? I guess like it was probably a little bit smaller at the start, you know, being COVID, right? Yeah. But then like now you've got to deal with working with no longer. Now it's 400 kids, like you said. There there have been a lot of interesting things that we had to learn really fast. And there are there are a lot of School of Rock locations. There's like 300 something worldwide, um, but not very many as big as we are we were for for a hot second we were in like the top five i think we were the fifth biggest school in the world that's not and so 
you you start having these questions come up like how do we manage this how do we make this happen and the answer kind of echoes back from the others like uh we don't know we've never had that problem <laughs> and it's it's totally fine there there are a couple of schools that are bigger than us and they're they're all everybody in the network is super super cool so mm-hmm. anytime we're having a problem you know we can ask one of the other bigger schools and they can usually kind of set us toward what works for them and and we modify it a little bit it works for us too but it's definitely been there's there's been a lot of white knuckling the past Mm -hmm. three or four years just trying to figure out like how do we expand programming this fast how do we find staff how do we and all all great problems to have right yeah i mean having more kids in to learn how to play is yeah it's not a bad thing yeah and those kids they they really will teach you the meaning of fun it's it's just wild all day every day there you know you've got a group that's rehearsing in one of the rooms and the other group in the other room is taking a break and so they're out in the lobby and everybody's in a great mood because why wouldn't you be in a great mood you get to learn instruments and play in a band and and so everybody's just like the energy level is so high all the time. And I I think back to other like lesson studios that I've worked in that are a lot more like classically oriented where kids would come in with their instruments and they'd unpack and they'd sit and wait in the hallway mm-hmm. very quietly, very politely. They'd go in and they have their lesson. They come out and leave. And then I come to work and it's like, oh, there's three kids sitting in the lobby that have been here now for the last four and a half hours because they're doing a camp and then they've got a class tonight because they're regular students too so they're going to be here all day and they are just partying it up everybody's having lunch everybody's having a good time they're you know they're working through tunes that they're learning they're working through quick instrument repairs as needed and it's just it's a very wild hectic fun environment it's got to be fun to see you you see those like light bulb moments with probably the instruments and then you kind of see like friendships being made too right yeah yeah there's a huge social component to it they so they i mean they work really really hard all, all the kids they really dig in on their instruments but it's very different from like a school environment where the impetus to do that is all uh internal like the the kids who are going to practice are going to practice and the kids who aren't aren't at School of Rock, there's there's a big social component to that too. So when you walk into a group and there's 60 people and all of them are playing the same song, that's you know you can you can hide a little bit when you walk into a room and there are seven people and all of them are playing different instruments and everybody's working on the same thing. Like there's nowhere to hide. Like you either mm-hmm. practiced or you didn't. So the there are always kids that walk in and for one reason or another haven't practiced whatever, but nobody ever needs you know a scolding nobody ever needs a shaming because they play and they're like oh I really want to be on top of this next week and that so that motivation is so uh I don't know what what's it's so intrinsic to what they're doing because they don't want to let their classmates down and their classmates they're, they're all very supportive of one another but they just they put in the work over and over and over well it's like I, I grew up kind of going to a gym and stuff and like you always had like your gym buddy. Right. And so like if they're going in and you're not, you're like, oh, I kind of I kind of let them down. So, you, you know, you keep yeah. going and it's kind of like that it's sort of thing. the exact yeah. same mindset, except you have nine gym buddies and yeah. you've got four months of just hardcore working with them every single week. Yeah, so you want to sound as good as mm-hmm. you can. So can you explain sort of the the setup to School of Rock, like how classes work, how lessons work? Um, what is, if, if say, I'm a 15-year-old and I want to 
start playing? Like how, how do, what would I, what would you recommend for me? Right? Yeah, totally doable. So the way we start everybody is we have them come in for a trial lesson because every single person is their own set of variables. We don't charge anything for the trial lessons because honestly it helps us as much to answer those questions right away as it helps you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, it's a mutual benefit thing. So, and those are one-on-one. Yep. Trial mm-hmm. lesson is you sit down, usually you sit down with our music director, Benny, and we just go through a bunch of stuff. You know, we, First of all, we want to know you as a student, right? We want to get to know, you know, what are the things that make you tick? What kind of music are you into? What what do you But then we also want to know, you know, what's your existing skill set? And and a lot of times you do get kids who are complete beginners, right? Like I can identify a guitar on site, but I've never played one, you know. And that's totally fine, but even in that, especially with kids who are a little bit older, you know, into the into their teenage years, they might not have any guitar skills, but they might have taken piano lessons when they were eight for a little bit, or they might have been working in school band. They might have, and those, a lot of those skills are very foundational. So even if they have no clue what they're doing on a guitar, there's a pretty good chance that they know more than they think they do just because of something they have already done. And then with younger kids, they probably don't even have that level of experience. And if you're starting your complete blank slate, that's almost easier because there's no bad habits anywhere to be erased. Like we get to just start from the beginning. So either way, like what happens during that trial lesson is we kind of poke and prod and figure out where you are based on that. We'll say, okay, so here's what your trajectory looks like. Maybe you should be taking lessons and no group for the next month or two months or whatever it is. And then knowing what the trajectory of those lessons will look like, you should be looking to start into a group at this point. And this is about the class level you're starting into. So we have, we have different class levels that are kind of based around skill and age. Uh, mm-hmm. And because a lot of that is social development, right? It's not just can you play this? A 15-year-old starting guitar for the first time is going to learn at a vastly different rate. The curve is going to be very different than an eight-year-old starting guitar for the first time, right? You don't want those two in the same class, and they don't want to be in the same class. One of them is going to be super intimidated, and the other one is just going to rage quit because, like, I'm in class with an eight-year-old. Why would I do this? So there's there's a lot of that that goes into it, and and, uh, we kind of thread that needle real carefully trying to make sure that everybody ends up where they are going to get the most out of it starting right away mm-hmm. so it's it's very personalized yeah and with so many students how do you guys sort of navigate that like what's I mean what is your team looking like like how many uh, how many workers are there and, and yeah we keep a really small uh, instructor roster like I, I want to say we have 20 total employees at the school that includes camp instructors who are different from our regular lesson instructors lesson instructors are all also running group classes so it's there's a lot of intermingling the the big secret sauce there for us has been we only hire instructors who can teach at least three instruments because multi-instrumentalists they're they're harder to find but when we bring them in and they already have a roster of kids waiting for them they stay and they're much more invested so it's not just like i walk in 
and teach for an hour and then leave. Like when our instructors are there, they're like there for the day. So they're very invested in the school. They're very invested in the success of their kids. They're invested in their classes. They understand what the kids are doing in class because a lot of them run similar classes of their own. So it's, there's a lot of, I hate the word synergy, but sometimes it has to actually be used. It just makes everything a lot more cohesive when everybody as part of their training starts sitting in on classes and lessons, even for instruments they don't teach. They'll shadow lessons because they all run classes so they have to be able to talk to kids who play instruments that they don't necessarily play. So they all they all develop kind of a baseline skill set on every instrument that we teach at the school and then most of them play a million others too. Yeah, and then so these group classes and then now you have camps in the summer. What are those like? Is that sort of based on age group or talent level? Yeah, it's a little bit both. So kind of in the same vein as we are working to make sure that the kids are in the right place socially as well as skill-wise, the camps are broken up basically the same way. The difference is a class is going to run for like 16 weeks is is one season a camp is going to run for five days so you are with your group three hours a day for five days there's no individual lessons happening there's no anything you are in this group you're working with this unit for a week and then at the end of that week you perform and the the performances are fun we do all of those ones the camp performances right there at the school one of the walls you might even have it in your video mm-hmm. the the big glass wall that pulls out so then the room the rehearsal room becomes the stage Mm -hmm. and then you have a full audience of of camp parents and it's it's always packed and that's where the camp performances happen so it's a lot lower pressure it's a great way to dip a toe in without jumping full force into a 16-week class without knowing that that's a thing you want to do because a season-long class it's a ton of fun but it is a huge commitment. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when you started, it's it's like any other sports team, anything else. Like, you're in. Yeah, and how often are those classes? Like, are they daily or like... Weekly. Uh, weekly? Okay. Yeah, once so, a week. you're, so when you're in any of the group classes, you're meeting once a week for rehearsal. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have, over the course of a four-month season, you'll have two performances. You'll have a mid-season after two months and an end-of-season performance at the end of your four-month season. And what are those performances like? Because I know I work at the Saints, and I've you guys performed outside yeah. of the gates one yeah, time. That, so that, that was, was one awesome. Of our, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tons of fun. So that was one of our touring groups. We have two of those. But um, the, the regular performances, the season performances, we have one even coming up this weekend, and it's going to be over at Keg and Case. They are massive usually we expect you know between 1100 and 1300 people at them spread over the course of a couple of days but it's we'll have you know 30 bands hit the stage in two days Mm -hmm. and the real young ones you know they're playing shorter sets of songs that have been kind of specially arranged for their skill set right uh all the way up through the touring kids who are just hog wild i mean they're they're great great musicians so it's it's a huge spectrum and there's people coming and going all the time it's it's a big party it's two days long and it's just non-stop i'm sure that's really fun for the kids too to get that experience on stage as always well. and and a lot of them you know i i think it's it's very similar to anybody else kids they'll come to the school and they're like i want to do lessons and maybe rehearsals but i'm not going to get on stage 
we used to argue with them, right? We used to say like, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. Now we just say, okay, because I know way better than they do that when it comes time to get on stage, they're going to be like, uh, maybe I will. And then they'll walk up on stage and they're just hooked. They yeah. like, there's no feeling in the world like it. And they will chase that high forever because it's so cool to be on stage performing. Even the ones that swear up and down sideways that they will never, ever get on stage. The second you get them on stage, they're hooked. They're, mm-hmm. they're super all about it. And then what's that feeling like for you as an instructor? You're, you you see these kids go from, you know, like kind of shy, I guess, probably a lot of them, to getting up on stage and performing and, and being just better musicians. Oh, yeah. I, I ran a class a while back uh, that was a system of a down class. So if, if you're not familiar, it, it's like a, a alternative metal band, I guess we would call system of a down super fun, really wild, raucous music. It, it's, it's crazy stuff and it's really technical. It's very challenging music. And one of the kids in that group, I had known her since she was, I don't know, 11 or 12. I think she probably came to us. And for the first three months, mind you, this was a vocal student and I, I had her for lessons, and for the first three months I knew her, I didn't hear her make any sounds. Not, she was kind of shy. Like, I did not hear her speak. I did not hear her sing. Like, we did, doing three months of voice lessons with a kid who is too shy to sing, it is tough. Oh, it, is sure. a, it is a, you just slog through it, and you try and try and try and try all these different things, and finally, little by little, they start to get comfortable enough, they, they, it's the singing especially is very vulnerable right they have to trust you enough to make sounds in front of you which for some kids takes about eight seconds for this kid it took three months and we got her there and then one of her last shows was the system of a down show and she's jumping all over the stage and like smashing into the other people on stage screaming and i'm just having the time of her life she was and she was so good and it it was just jaw dropping because I personally had gotten to watch that transformation happen. And it's it's fun for the other people who worked with her along the way, too. Because I, I didn't work with her for all that long. I probably only worked with her for six months directly in lessons. But I still knew where we started. And so getting to see that was like, all right, so that, that this worked. This was good. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that, you know, seeing transformations like that is a lot of fun. And and sometimes it's not a transformation. You, know, you get some kids that walk in at eight years old knowing I am a born performer and this is what I'm going to do. And it just turns out they're right. And like that's super awesome too because they they take what already is a set of talents and tendencies and they just hone them. And And so many of them are so focused and they're so aggressive about their workflow that you watch these kids do things that I, at, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old, could never have imagined myself doing, let alone pulled off. And it's like, let's go. Well, I remember at the Saints, because I was, you know, scanning tickets before the game, uh, you know, before I get into, like, my actual work. But then seeing, like, these, the the group you guys had, it was like, what, the, there was three singers. One was, like, maybe 15. One was, like, eight. It was so cool to see, like how the the confidence was there for him too. oh yeah like it i mean that's yeah. awesome it it really really is and it's you always find that you are underestimating them like no matter what and we 
knowing what they are capable of, still find that we're underestimating them. Every time we think, you know, we've reached the limit and they're not going to be able to pull this off, somebody comes along and proves us wrong. doesn't always happen right away, but we, you know, as, as a music teacher, you start to get cocky from time to time. You start to really think, like, I can look at a kid and tell you exactly what's going on. You can't. Like, <laughs> there's always a kid out there who is going to come and just smash all of your preconceived notions about what they're yeah. capable of. And when it happens, it is just the the feeling that you get watching a kid do something that you never thought they would be capable of, but they went for it anyway. And then they just wreck it. And it's like, wow. I bet it's really rewarding, a, a rewarding job for you. It is. It uh, It's one of those things where I, I am not a teacher by nature it's never what I wanted to do it's never it was never a thing that interested me it just kind of something I fell into by accident I'm I'm very good at it but I never expected to enjoy watching students develop and it it just kind of it always catches me by surprise when I'm standing at the shows and it's like oh I remember where you started that was awesome right now And, and it's like wait was that was that actually me? Like, am I am I super into this? Turns out, yes, I super am. And the kids just crush it over and over and over. And it's just the work environment like that. When when that is the payoff, mm-hmm. you can't beat it, right? You can't. <laughs> so, where did you start then? Were, were you um, like in bands yourself? Yeah, still am. Uh, and I, my whole education was focused on being a session musician like that that was really where I saw myself and I I do a lot of session work um but I I had no interest in teaching whatsoever uh and and I think a lot of the instructors at School of Rock would say the same like it's something they kind of fell into by accident or somebody was like hey you should go pick up a gig here for a while or something and all of them stay because it is very rewarding work Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you, you can't beat it, right? Like seeing those that growth, I mean, just hearing you talk about it. So um, I know you, you mentioned like having different types of classes with different types of music. How, yeah. how, how do you get students into different types of music? I feel like a lot of time when I was, you know, that age, I was like, I'm listening to, you know, this, oh, right? Yeah. Like whatever's on. Absolutely. And we we catch a little bit of a break there anyway, because I think a lot of the students that come to us that kind of turn into the tastemakers at the school. We attract a lot of weirdos, right? I mean, this this is the place where the, the people who really rise to the top of the student body at School of Rock are the people who are just, they're a little bit goofy. They're, <laughs> they are very creative. They're very talented. They're wired a little bit different. And those kids, it's very easy to get them turned on to something new because they actively want to be and then there are other kids who are totally like you just described right they just shut down they're like this is what I like and this is the only thing I like and this is the box they won't ever take it from me right if I if I tell them like oh Dave Matthews band you need to check out Dave like I will they'll look at me like I am a lunatic Mm -hmm. but there are other kids at the school who they have already like really put up on a pedestal in their minds because they're very talented. They're very cool. You know, at, at school of rock, they're, they're very top of the pile. And if those kids mentioned some Dave Matthews song that they were listening to, they're super into all of a sudden 
it just snaps right that fast. And, and we, so we do it all the time. We, we nerd out on folk musics. We knew I, I ran a class for a while on uh, different world musics and different, different folk musics. And I had an entire group of kids that was just crazy for like Ethiopian jazz fusion <laughs> for a hot minute. Yeah. Cause they just, they want to get into new things. They want to expand their horizons. And so the kids that don't, they, they'll never follow me into that expansion, but they will absolutely follow other kids into that expansion. Well, yeah, th- that, that was how I was too, right? You, oh, yeah. you follow the, you follow the leader. You see, you know, what, what, I mean, well, I had two older sisters growing up. So it was uh, like, that's so kind of how you I You kind of had like the, all the cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. You were like, I know what's yeah. hip right yeah. now. Yeah, and then my one sister's like, you got to start wearing snapback hats. You got to start, sa- here's Lil Wayne. Yeah. Let me put you on. Yeah, and that's- and you became instantly a huge fan of snapback uh-huh. hats and Lil Wayne, yeah, I'm guessing. But if, yeah. your, if your parents had said like, have you heard of snapback hats and yeah. Lil Wayne? You'd have been like, I am never. Have you heard of this Lil Wayne fellow? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, Wheezy? <laughs> yeah and and you would have been like please never no. talk to me again so yeah. it, it's it's funny the people that we will allow to influence us in different ways mm-hmm. and 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 to introduce us to different things but really as long as you can kind of trace that as as a teacher as long as you can kind of trace like who is going to really pick what up from who you can open up everybody's horizons in a room just by understanding how it's going to propagate from one person to the next. I'm sure you've seen some like success as well, like from kids as they've moved on, like going into college. Have they started their own bands? Have they started putting out music themselves and everything? Tons of them. Yeah. So I, and there are a fair few of them that have even come back to teach like a couple of our instructors right now were students mm-hmm. just years ago. I have worked in bands with former School of Rock students. They're like, It's really easy to hire them as session musicians and, and as stand-in players because I know exactly how they were trained uh, because I did it. And, and mm-hmm. I know that they're going to show up on time because that's what we taught them how to do. So sometimes, in a lot of situations kids that I teach right now are going to become my go-to musicians years down the road because they are really talented. They're really reliable and they're just, they're just awesome to be around. Like I genuinely enjoy being around them. How does the school also like kind of serve as a way of helping kids grow up? Because I know like for my coaches always in sports would say, this isn't just hockey. This is, you know, we're teaching you life lessons. And I'm yeah. sure it's the same thing because, you know, oh, totally these are is. band kids instead of hockey players, right? Yeah. And I, I think as a, as a kid, you are by default taking life lessons from everywhere, right? Any, anything you're doing is life lessons. But when you're, when you're working at school of rock, you're taking on, like you're you're working with a lot of other really creative kids. So for a lot of the kids there, it's an environment that they don't necessarily have access to at school. They don't, you know, there are always clusters and cliques at school, but it's, it's, you don't have an entire school full of people who are creatively minded, musically minded. So that's that's a cool cultural thing for them. But they they pick up a lot of things because we're very, very precise about 
lessons always start on time. Lessons always end on time. Rehearsals never start a minute late. Kids have to set up all of their own equipment. So there's like when we're teaching them how to put this equipment together, we time them like they drill on it. It's like set the room up. You have five minutes. Tear it down. You've got two minutes. Set the room up. You've got three minutes. They get really, really good at it. So aside from just the musical skills, they really do learn a lot about working with groups of people and working with different people one-on-one and, and being part of a combo, being part of a team, being part of a group that has a common goal and seeing that, you know, cause they're kids. It doesn't always work well, mm-hmm. right? There, every kid has their moment where they're like, well, I am going to torpedo this whole thing today because of course they do. They're children, right? Um, but they, you can talk to the older ones and they can look back and tell you like, oh yeah, I remember rehearsal, I torpedoed. And it's not the rehearsal, like a lot of them can't even tell you what songs they were working on then. That's not the part that sticks. The part that sticks is like, I was super unprepared and showed up on time and that was, it just did not feel great. I, and I have never done it since. And it's it's the same thing that they'll find, you know, the same core life lessons that they'll find in sports teams it's just sports teams don't always work as the vessel for those lessons for every kid Mm -hmm. so for the kids that that doesn't work for I find a lot of them end up with me and and they get all the same lessons and they get them in an environment that just is much more comfortable for them yeah have there been any specific moments that stand out to you watching kids perform or watching kids grow? I know you mentioned like the one who wouldn't speak for three yeah. months, right? Like, have there been any other things like that? Oh yeah, I there there are seven or eight of those for me a year. They uh, there was one group that I worked with. That, this was years ago. I want to say this was 2015. Um, and this was one of the touring groups. So the, the kids who like auditioned into this group, they were pretty high end. But a lot of those kids I had been working with since they were pretty young. And we, I had them doing a disco show. And it was a very small group, but they had recruited some other people because they, they wanted a horn section. And I was like, well, guess what? I don't have one. Mm-hmm. Like I, and so they were like, okay, um, hang on. And so they made a bunch of phone calls and they came back the next week and there were two extra kids. I was like, hi, who are you? Where did you come from? <laughs> and they, they like got them enrolled in this. They brought in their friends and I started to figure out like, did these kids just go out and recruit a horn section? <laughs> and they totally had. So all of a sudden I had this disco show and it had a horn section and, they, and the kids were just crushing it and they were learning all their dance moves and it was fun. Um, and I got to the show at, at the end of that whatever month and a half period that they had been working on it. And I, I set up all their stuff, most of it before they even got there, just, you know, part of the job, whatever. And they started showing up in white three piece suits, every single one of them. And I was walked in. I was like, what? And like one of them walks in in platform shoes that he had borrowed from his uncle who just had them in yeah. his closet from, you know, from the 70s <laughs> and they just happened to fit. So like white three piece suits, platform shoes, and they cr- 
crushed it. They absolutely destroyed that show. And the the venue that we were working with uh, for it just thought it was the greatest thing ever. And like I had a packed house of all their parents and they invited all their friends because they knew how hard it was going to slap. So they invited <laughs> okay. all their friends too. And it was just, it was monumental. It was, I think it was one of the best shows that I have ever seen, let alone been part of, because they, they were just so high energy. And, and there's a sort of energy that kids bring to a stage that adults always wish they could bring to a stage, but physically can't. Like, I gotta tell you, I, I play like a monster, but I also, uh, I'm 34. I get hot. I get sleepy, right? It's like, it's a thing. Yeah. But teenagers who are super amped by crowd energy, like, they were giving each other piggyback rides, like spinning on stage, <laughs> yeah. one of them, you know, swinging a mic over her head, and like there was a saxophone solo happening. It was chaos in the absolute best way, and it was like this is a performance that I, I wish I was on stage mm-hmm. for, you know. And and they're not all that, but for the kids who are on stage, they are all that. They're, like they, when you're on stage and you're in front of a crowd that's super into it. It doesn't matter if you are plunking out root notes, you know, trying to whack your way through a Leonard Skinner tune that only has two chords. Like, you feel like you're at the top of the world. So even the little ones get that feeling. And then to watch the older ones actually get that feeling because they are creating that level of performance, that's mind-blowing. Taking that energy and turning it back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Throwing it back on the stage. I bet that concert sounds unreal. Oh, it was wild. Like the the white suits, I can I can see it now. Yeah, like, perfect. It, like, every one of them showed up looking like Barry Gibb. And yeah, it's yeah. just like, <laughs> why? What? How? And they had all just decided, like, yeah, this yeah. is what we're doing. And they ordered these. They went for it. They ordered these suits on, like, Amazon. Yeah, of course. And they showed up and it's like, this is amazing. Yeah. I mean, that that is unreal. Mm-hmm. To be able to see that, oh, my God. That would be... I'm sure it was an electric show, too. Everyone oh, yeah. probably loved it. Oh, it was, it was a blast. Because when you see people commit like that, you gotta, mm-hmm. you're got you committing as it's, a crowd member, too. I think too. it's impossible to be at a show like that and not dance. Like, I, yeah. I never want to meet the person that can be at a show like that and sit at a table and, like, clutch a drink and just stare. Like, you can't do it. But no. it's, it's, that's a willpower that nobody should have. Yeah, you got to get moving. Mm. So um, on the back end of things, as the general manager, you're organizing all these classes and everything, mm-hmm. making sure people are, are um, you have instructors for everything. Is that, how challenging is that? It ha- has that sort of drawn you away at all? Has, has there ever been moments where you're like, man, this is tough. This is hard. Yeah, um, you know, just just like any other business, you know, there there are the upsides and the downsides, and and as the person in charge of it, I see the downsides when they happen. I will say that I have in what I would argue is probably one of the least fun jobs at the school. I have more fun in a day than most people have in their entire careers. Like it just the environment is just awesome it it has its days right there there are days when my day is a 13 hour just slog fest trying to get through everything that I need done trying to solve some weird problem that came up some piece of equipment broke or fried or whatever and I'm trying to either fix it or replace it on the fly and there are days right Mm -hmm. luckily I have clients that are awesome like every every single one of the clients at the school 
in in a group of 420 clients, you have to expect that like 20 of them are going to suck. And they don't. They're just like across the board. They're just super awesome people. Like they're people you genuinely want to stop and like have a conversation with, which is sometimes problematic because like I've got stuff to do that I'm totally ignoring because I really want to actually just like have a conversation with this. But, but so I've, I've got that going for me. And then the team at the school from the administrative team on through the instructors and everybody, they're just, everybody is so great to work with. They're, they're just, we, we hire pretty carefully and we hire when we need to. So we don't have people who work with us who are just sort of like, a foot out the door all the time. Like the people who work there, they love what they do. They work really hard. They do a really, really good job. Mm-hmm. And when you have a group of people working under you that brings that kind of energy, you, my job is, gets so much better because I, I get to just mostly deal with the fallout of all of these people being really good at their jobs. Like, yeah, right. That's that's a pretty easy day. Yeah, and then you get to see the the good parts at the end of it, mm-hmm. right? The concerts. The, oh yeah, the white suits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, so uh, overall, what ha- I guess, how many different types of musicians do you have? You have vocalists. You have guitars. Like what? Yeah, so piano, we, keyboards, and we everything. Teach at the school. We teach guitar, bass, keys, voice, drums, and ukulele. Um, each of those kind of is its own world, right? I mean, there, there's a million different styles and techniques to learn with every single one of those instruments. Drums in particular are really tough because you start out, you know, you, you walk in and you're like, I'm going to play drum kit. And then somebody puts you in front of congas and you're like, oh, I have to learn to do this too. And it, it's always fun to kind of watch reality wash over the drummers who thought they were just going to like sit down and only ever touch a drum kit. It's like, no, we're not going to teach you to only live in one tiny corner of this world. Like we're going to teach you how all of this works. Um, but so those are those are the six disciplines that we focus on right now. And we're hoping as we grow to be able to expand into horns and strings uh, and even music production stuff. Um, so we're, we're crossing our fingers that we keep growing the way we are and, and kind of work our way into those opportunities too. Yeah, right. And so what do you think the future is like um, for the School of Rock? Because music is, you know, changing like everything else, right? And there's Always. a lot more on the that you can do on the computer and everything, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, and that's one of the things that we keep talking about is like, is there, is it time for us to get into electronic music production as, you know, as, as a class, as an area of study? Because a lot of the instructors are pretty well versed in it. You know, most of us are studio musicians. Uh, a lot of us are producers and engineers. Like it's, it's just, that's our background. That's because that's the people that we hire. So, pardon me, it, it, it's hard to say what the future holds, you know, every single one of those branches has its own big questions and challenges and hurdles, but we will, we're definitely, as I think we stay focused on our core strengths and keep the school really strong, keep doing a really excellent job there. And then as we get to branch out, we have the support of a really strong school to get to experiment a little bit with, with, figuring out where we go next yeah and i'm sure you've got 
you've been uh, used to experimenting with things as a musician, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's you know every every day is another dream and scheme, and and those those meetings are fun. They're maybe a little bit more fun immediately than the sit down and plot out the logistics for the next four months and figure out you know how many trucks we need to rent for this show, whatever. But at the end of the day, we we get to do both and and being able to do both and having a team that's able to do both means that we keep delivering really great shows really great experiences for the kids we get to work with really cool venues and so it it keeps us it keeps us on our toes but it keeps us good at what we do and keeps us strong well it's good to see the culmination at the end i'm sure yeah always is so two final questions what is your favorite song do you have a favorite song oh man today My fa- today my favorite song is Head for Supplies by a group called Elbow that's out of the UK. Just one of those kind of hit me right at the right time, mm-hmm. perfect harmonies, just like everything stacks really well together and it grows over time. So it starts out as like this almost nothing little guitar mm-hmm. riff and then and it just like keeps growing and keeps getting added to and added to until it just like explodes and ends perfectly. So tomorrow it'll be a completely different who knows yeah that's yeah that's how it goes right <laughs> yeah and then do you have a favorite movie ooh you know the i'm going to get judged by anti nerd circles for this that's what everyone says but when when i ask this I, question i uh, i'm super 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 into serenity which okay. is like this totally under the radar space cowboy thing there was a show called firefly and they they made a movie out of it Uh but the the cast is amazing it's all people who have gone on to be like super crazy famous and they just they just crushed it It it's really great writing really great concept and production and it's like my comfort show it's my go-to show and and the movie is just perfection all right serenity i'll have to check it out it's great okay well adam i appreciate you for coming on i i think it was great hey thanks for having me yeah